Good morning. If you would, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're continuing through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and we land today in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 24. Verses 19 through 24. Pastor Justin's going to come back to the Lord's Prayer. We sort of skipped over that, got to 19 through 24. Pastor Justin is going to come back to that after. But if you'll look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Let's, uh, let's read our text today. We'll pray and get started. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither rust nor where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray. Father, I, we just ask that you would give clarity to your word today, that you would control my tongue, that you would have your people receive that which you have intended for them to receive so that they may grow in the image of you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus spoke, I, I know, I'm reading that passage and people go, oh, he's going to talk about money today. Well, you know, Jesus spoke about money more than he did about sex, heaven, hell. The book of Matthew alone, and we're going through that right now. So the book of Matthew alone, he speaks about money 109 times. In, the, in, in Mark, he speaks about it 57 times. In Luke, 94 times. And in John, he talks about it 88 times. That's just the Gospels. Okay? That's not talking about how much Paul and, and Peter and others. He says, later in Matthew, he says, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Man, what does that's that's a lot. First Thessalonians five verses sixteen through twenty-two, and this is where this verse this I've been reading in 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 Thessalonians for my own personal study, and this verse sort of drove uh, the content today of the message. First Thessalonians five sixteen through twenty-two. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So the Lord talks about Money quite a bit. Five more times than any other subject in the Bible. Money must be a big deal. 
Jesus must know that there's something very dangerous about money. And he speaks about it a lot. So the text today comes on the heels of Jesus teaching on hypocrisy. So we, we see that, that last week we talked about, uh, Pastor Justin shared about the, the hypocrisy of the religious. And so this teaching comes right on the heels of that, and he's continuing sort of this formula. Some say this, but I say do this. So the, he, he's, he's, he's establishing a culture war already. Some say do this. They've distorted what I mean. I'm telling you, this is what we do. So remember, he's calling us in Matthew here, he's calling us to himself, and he's calling us to holiness. That's sort of been the prevailing theme throughout, is he's calling us to himself, and he's calling us to holiness. So remember that as we talk through this today. He addresses four aspects of money that we're going to look at today in this, in this passage, in this text. He addresses four aspects of money. Longevity. And, and when I say money, I don't just mean money. I mean things of value. Time, talent, treasure. We talk about that a lot. Time, talent, and treasure. But specifically, material things. So, longevity. The heart. Your eyes. And a master. Who are we serving? He addresses these four areas. And so I want to take a look at those four areas today and, and, and discuss and see what Jesus is actually trying to, to convey to us in this. And see how it bumps up against maybe even some things that we've created in our own cultures or in our own life that need to change. So the first aspect that, that we see is found in verses 19 and 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So the first aspect we see is the longevity of, of things. Is something actually eternal or is it temporal? Verse 19 is a, is a negative command. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth 20 is the positive but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven so he says some say do this but i say do this the, he's he's addressing the fact that the world is saying if you have all of these things you have arrived you have made it you have done it but i say it's your bank account in heaven that is making you a success. The first word that leaps out to us in this verse is the word treasure. Jesus didn't say money here. He says treasures. Because this isn't just a saying. This is not just a teaching to rich people. The, the people in this audience were likely not a large crowd. The, the, the percentage of rich people in this crowd were probably few. So this is an address to the treasures. Not everybody is ripe with cash, but they are ripe with things that they treasure. Cars, homes, computers, clothes, back then other things. Possessions, things that we hold close and dear. 
while I was studying over this week, and particularly Friday night, I, I, man, I chased every rabbit trail you can chase when you're doing a sermon prep. And Friday night, I ended up reading an article about a woman who collects Barbie dolls. Her entire life has been focused on finding Barbie dolls. Everything that her, her, her finances, her home, structures on her property to house them, everything was around Barbie dolls. I would say that she treasured Barbie dolls. Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves Barbie dolls on earth. So our treasure may be things that aren't just cash. We're going to see in a minute, as he talks about these other aspects of money and treasure, the first life skill that Jesus wants us to develop is to stop living just for today. Just for ourselves. This is sort of the life skill that he's trying to, he's trying to get us to look into eternal things. He's trying to give us a mindset that is beyond our bank account, beyond our properties, beyond all of that. You know the old saying, I'm going to look out for number one. It's a cultural saying, right? I hear it, particularly in, the, in our younger generation. I'm just watching out for number one. That statement is actually the most anti-Christian statement you can ever make in your life. I'm looking out for number one. It's rooted in selfishness. It's rooted in mistrust. It's rooted in greed. So this command is in the present tense. Jesus is not saying, hey, here's a good suggestion for the future. What he's addressing is, you guys are storing up things here on earth and you need to stop doing that. It's a present command. It's a stop doing what you're doing and do this. So it's a command in the present tense. It literally means to stop storing up. We're to stop doing something that by nature we, we do. We're, we, we are greed squirrels when it comes to, to, to life. You know, we see the squirrels and they gather all the things for winter, right? We do that. We don't do it for winter. We do it for satisfaction and comfort. Jesus knows that our natural desire is to accumulate things, to possess them. Our, our, our scripture reading this morning as we opened up our worship service and he talked about writing it on your gates and writing it. Very common for you to put a fence or a wall around your property back in the, the context of this day. The, a very clear sign that what I have, I want to keep in here. So this command is in the present tense. Jesus says, hey, stop doing this. This doesn't mean that we can't have material possession. We can't own property or we can't have anything like that. That's not what Jesus is. It's not a prohibition of owning things. The key lies in the little phrase, for yourselves. People will borrow my truck sometimes. And they'll say, thanks for letting me borrow your truck. And if you've ever borrowed my truck, I'll often say, it's not my truck, it's God's truck. I'm just holding it for him. 
Nobody can borrow it today, by the way. I'm using it. <laughs> so it doesn't mean that we can't have material possessions. There's two things that happen to things that we own. And Jesus addresses both of them here. First, decay. Everything you have, every material possession you own is going to decay. It's going to lose value. It's going to lose longevity. In ancient times, wealth is measured by, back then, a lot by clothing, which is, a, which is why Jesus talks about the moth here. So one of the ways that you expressed your wealth back into this listening audience who would have heard this originally is through your clothing. Expensive linens and, and the, the, your clothing was very valuable. People went to great lengths to store their clothing because of the moth and it would destroy them this was pre-mothball days okay so this is pre-mothball and so the garment represented a considerable investment because otherwise you could just run out and take a sack that your grain came in and and put it on and so jesus is addressing this he's saying what you have, the moths are going to eat. So it's going to decay. It's going to disappear. Coupled with this attack of the killer moths, the other way to express wealth was through metal. Things uh, made of me metal was not as uh, common as it is today. Rust is going to eat away at all of the stuff that you think is going to last forever because you think it's metal and it's going to last forever. Guess what? Rust is going to destroy it. So second, not only will our stuff decay on its own, then you add in human depravity. And Jesus addresses that. And he says, even if your stuff doesn't get eaten by moths, and even if the rust doesn't destroy it, and, and this audience really understood rust. They really understood the concept of decay because they lived near the ocean and lots of sea salt air. And we know that things love to be corroded in that type of weather. Jesus says, if it doesn't die on its own, someone else is going to steal it. He addresses that. He says, second, again, listener, he, they'd had valuables. It was very common in that day to have a, what, would they, what they would call a berry spot. So you would take your valuables somewhere on your property. You would bury them in a container that was often maybe coated with tar or something like that. So they would have a burial spot. They actually buried their valuables. He says, thieves would literally come. A lot of times people would build the walls around their properties and they would build these little compartments inside the walls that they could hide their, their valuables in. Kind of to trick the thieves, right? The thieves would, let's go in the house and look for the valuables. Ha <laughs> ha dummies, we put them in the wall. Well, thieves are thinkers too. And so it was very common for thieves to break into your walls, to dig up your yard. They wouldn't even enter your house. So try to store up wealth. 
and the moth will eat it. Try and store up wealth, and the thieves will take it. So Jesus is saying the earthly wealth is extremely insecure. It decays or it disappears. Earthly treasures are fleeting. They, they're, they're futile. But heavenly treasures are secure. Look at 1 Peter verses uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He has changed us from earthly to eternal. Okay? So here, Peter is establishing this for us. What comes with that? To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Peter's actually likely referencing the Sermon on the Mount here. He's saying, this is the treasure in heaven Jesus was talking about on the Sermon on the Mount. Kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this... You what? You rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. He's again speaking to the temporary status of the earth, the temporary status of our things. The trials and tribulations that we go through. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes. Gold perishes? more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Treasures that we send ahead are moth-proof, rust-proof, burglar-proof. Verse 20, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. The issue is not whether we will store up wealth. That's a given. The issue is what bank are we using? John Piper said in one of his comments that the deposits that are made in the First National Bank of Heaven, they don't decay or disappear. They are protected and guaranteed by God. So that leads us to a question. How do we make deposits on earth that yield heavenly results how how does how do we have a heavenly dividend if we're making our investment on earth so let me answer that in one pretty easy question uh, one pretty easy answer there's only two things i know that last forever two things that last forever the word of god and souls think about that we, we actually talked about the, the, the condemnation that comes for those who are not in Christ Jesus. We, we talked about that today in our catechism question. But, you know, we sometimes think, and we do so because we're heartbroken over the idea of lost people dying without Jesus. If it doesn't bother you, it should. But souls last forever. You're either with God forever, or you're apart from Him forever. So, the Word of God and souls are the only two things that actually last forever. And so those are the two things that we should spend our earthly investments on. 
the Word of God and souls. Friends, everything else is going disappa- to disappear. It's going to decay. Everything. It's going to wear out and be useless. That's the way God set it up. Look at this. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 17. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now remember, uh, uh, we just read 1 John chapter 1, where he's saying, if we have God's love, God is love, and if we have God's love, then we'll love one another. And now he's telling us, don't love the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father. But it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Everybody here know who Jim Elliott is? Famous missionary, lost his life on the mission field. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I love that. This earth is fading. It is passing. And we are holding on to it like it is our hope. And it is not. Which leads us to the next aspect that Jesus addresses in the text today. And that is the heart. The second aspect we see in the aspect we see in the text is the heart. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. John Stott said in his commentary, the question is not so much what the hand is doing, whether it's passing cash or a check, but what the heart is thinking while the hand is doing it. To put it plainly, Jesus is saying that your heart follows your money. Now, that's not the way most of us think. Actually, that's not actually what we've been taught. We tend to think that our heart, if our heart is right, then we'll spend our treasure. That's what we've always thought. Jesus actually says the opposite. He says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. It's about what you treasure. That's why that lady spent her whole life collecting Barbie dolls, because that's where her treasure was. And her heart followed it. That's what she treasured. Our problem isn't that we've invested everything down here and hardly anything. Our problem is that we've invested everything down here and hardly anything up there. Too many of us spend all that we have on things of the world, and then we wonder why we have trouble concentrating on God and having an eternal outlook. So our problem isn't that we don't invest, it's that we invest in the wrong place. Possessions can easily become the center of our life. Now what does, what does he mean here? Now I did say, he, he, he's not forbidding property ownership. This is, not a, this is not an absolute saying, don't own anything. Okay? People from that camp will often use the story of the rich man. Well, he told the rich man to sell everything and give it to the poor. He's not forbidding ownership. He's not forbidding banking accounts. He's not forbidding life insurance policies or any of those things. What he's saying is, lay not up yourselves treasures on earth. 
What? Your purpose behind your bank account should be heavenly. Your purpose behind your investments should be heavenly. Like I said, some will say, oh, well, what about the young ruler? Jesus told him he shouldn't own anything and he should sell everything. Have you ever noticed that he didn't say that to anybody else in the Bible? I challenge you. I spent four hours trying to find it. He didn't say it to anybody else. He said it to that one man. You know why? Because that man's possessions were what was in the way between him and Jesus. So it's not a, a prohibition. Matter of fact, if there was a prohibition on owning things, then why would one of the Ten Commandments be, thou shalt not steal? If nobody owns anything, you can't steal it. And another one, thou shalt not covet. Well, I can't covet if you don't have anything. So Jesus is not saying don't own anything, don't invest in anything, don't have bank accounts. He's not condemning possessions. What he's saying is the heart behind those possessions. The reason he told the rich ruler to sell all that he had was because that's what stood between him and God. So if that's what stands between you and God, sell everything you have and own nothing. It wasn't until his heart can be turned from his stuff to his Savior. And that's why Jesus told that one man to do that one thing. So it's not a proof text for no ownership. Deuteronomy 28, I'll put you in the land and I'll prosper your families and your cattle and your sheep and your crops. The Lord goes on and on about that. So he's not saying don't own things. What he's asking is where is the heart behind your ownership? Where is the heart behind your desire to make money? The Bible talks about that men are not to steal or not to covet. So God's not saying don't own. A pure heart comes when we can say about money, it is not my God, it is not my treasure, it is an avenue on which I use to evangelize the world. You love people. You want people to love God. So you're displaying God's love through throwing everything you have in your earthly possessions behind a heavenly purpose. That's when we have a pure heart towards money. But the problem is, the majority of us don't have that. And in doing that, in having a pure heart, where money is not your God and it is not your treasure, Jesus is saying, I want you to treasure me more than your treasure. I want to be your treasure. And when I'm your treasure, you will live an abundant life. Your heart can be focused on kingdom expansion and having funds. It can. But your heart cannot be focused on kingdom expansion and account expansion with the wrong heart. So that leads us to this third aspect. Sandwiched between these two comments on money in our text today, that leads us to our third aspect. Sandwiched between these two is this little blurb about the eye. 
Look at, look at verse 24. Or 22, sorry. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Let me reread that to, to context today. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that drives you is dark. How great is that darkness? She could have been the nicest person on the planet, but the lady who spent her entire life building up a wealth of Barbie dolls, likely lived in darkness. Me, me, me. Mine, mine, mine. So this third aspect that Jesus looks at for us today, he says, where is your focus? What is it that your heart, your heart is for Christ, right? That's what we say every day. So he, he addresses the, the, the longevity of our things and he says, hey, the things that we invest in on the earth, they're going to die. There's two things that last forever, souls and the word of God. That's where we place our treasure then he talks to us about the heart, about being, hey, your heart's going to follow what you treasure. So if you treasure me, then your heart will follow. And what usually follows all of that? What are you focused on? So Jesus is saying, your eyes. What is it that you're constantly looking for? I know someone in the investment world He's a godly man. He is constantly looking for a way to create more income for a ministry that he believes serves his community endlessly. The man's a millionaire. There's no doubt about it. He's not living his life to be a millionaire so that he can live in Tahiti and drink mojitos on the beach until he dies. His life's goal is to create enough wealth that he can finance ministries all over the place. And that one day he won't have to work for the bank he works for anymore, but that he can work for those ministries and they won't have to pay him. I know this person intimately. He's my older brother. The, uh, the, the focus, the laser focus that God has given people and really wants all of us to have it. The laser focus. He's saying, man, you need to see reality because reality determines whether you're living in darkness or not. And the reality Jesus is trying to tell us is all of this is going to fade away. 
6, uh, chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, he's saying we should desire heaven reward and not earthly reward. We're going to see in a minute, in verse 24, he says you can't serve two masters. And sandwiched between these two money-focused comments is this thing about the eyes. Between these two descriptions of light. Right? Would you agree? This is sort of a double description of light. If you're laying up treasures in heaven and not on earth, you're walking in the light. And we've talked about that in the past. Walk in the light. If you're serving God and not money, you're walking in the light. Jesus ties these two statements together and he says it's about your focus. It's about what your eyes are focused on. One clue can be found in Matthew uh, 20. Uh, and I'll, I'll read verse 15, but you might remember this. I, I preached several months ago, I don't remember how long ago it was, on uh, the, the, the pay. Remember the, the, the laborers that worked all day? And then the, 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 the master went out and got laborers, and they only worked for an hour. And at the end of the day, everybody got paid the same thing. You remember that? Jesus tells this parable, and the men who worked for one hour got paid the same as the men who worked all day. Jesus says to them, they were mad. The guys that worked all day were mad. They agreed to a wage, and they got paid it. Quite honestly, the guys that worked for an hour, they didn't know what they were going to get paid. They got paid the same. Here's the difference. The people who worked all day and saw the person who worked for one hour get paid the same, their focus was not on Jesus. Their focus was on themselves, on the fairness of the world, and all and all these other things. Their focus was not on, man, what a merciful and wonderful and loving master we serve. Jesus responded to them with the words we see here in Matthew, verse, uh, Matthew chapter 6. He says, is your eye bad because I am good? Is your eye bad because I'm good? What's bad about their eye? What's bad about their eye is that all they could see was selfishness. They could not see the mercy of the master as beautiful. They saw it as ugly. And this is the danger of, of worldly possession and, and our focus being off of heavenly things and eternal and, and being on things of the present. And Jesus is begging us from the beginning of this context, get your eyes off of now. This is the danger because now you have a group of men that don't see their master as merciful. They see him as ugly and unfair. Their greed has altered the way they are seeing things. Their intention was, was pure at the beginning. I need to feed my family. I need a day's work. And this guy is going to pay us what's even a more fair wage than, than most people pay. I'm going to go work for this guy. And at the end of the day, they were distorted because their focus was not on the mercy of the master. It was on the selfishness of their heart. What they could not do is rejoice with a brother who got paid the same wage they got paid. They were more focused on fairness and selfishness than they were on the mercy and the beauty of the Master. 
they were already being paid a wage that was above average. And they looked at the wage they got and they scoffed at it by the end of the day. At the beginning of the day, it was the greatest wage they could ever be paid for a day's work. And by the end of the day, it was the most unfair thing they had ever seen. And that's what happens when we take our focus off of the heavenly things. We actually begin to be mad at God. We begin to, to when our focus becomes greed and money and building wealth and more and more things, then we start to have a problem with things like even scales, godly and biblical business practices. And we want to stop. I can't go to church because all I ever talk about is money. We begin to get our eye. We think it's full of light. I'm building this thing for my children so they don't have to work so hard. There's only one substitutionary person on this, in this world, in this existence, and that's Jesus. I'm doing all this so that my grandchildren won't have to blah, blah, blah. And we actually believe that that is righteous. But then things make us mad, like unfair wages. The master's beautiful Mercy was missed because selfishness and greed was the focus. In other words, a good eye is a valuing eye, a discerning eye, a treasuring eye. It doesn't just see the facts about money, but it sees the beauty of God. It doesn't just perceive what is true and what is false. It sees beauty and ugliness. It sees value and worthlessness it's discerning the eye is an eye that is good when it sees god and god's beauty even in the ugliness but the spiritual eye locks into what really matters when money becomes our number one obsession it can put blinders on us it can ruin our spiritual lives we then begin to have issues with God Himself. Are you understanding now why Jesus talked about money so much? The preacher of preachers, Spurgeon, he said, God grant, if we must have two eyes, that they may be both clear ones, one with an eye of faith, wholly fixed on Christ, and the other eye of obedience, equally and wholly fixed on the same object. always looking for a way to make a buck are you always looking for a way to, to or are you always looking for a way to make a convert i have a little saying i've used for years and years and years every human interaction is a ministry opportunity good or bad the guy that cusses you out at the gas pump or flips you out flips you the bird when you won't turn right on a right red every human interaction is a ministry opportunity Laser focus on the things that are eternal. And Jesus is saying, your eye, that's why he says, if your eye is light but it's darkness, then how deep is that darkness? Because you actually think you're doing something that's good. And you're not. Stop, Jesus says. Stop it. And get an eternal focus. 
And that leads us to the final section of this text today. And he's saying, things are going to fall apart, they're going to die, except for the things of eternal. Your heart actually chases what you treasure. You need to focus on something, and it needs to be the eternal and not the temporal. And he says, that final question, who are you actually serving? Because you can't serve us both. It's impossible. He says you can't. You're either going to love one and despise the other, or you're going to be dedicated to one and ignore the other. So are we serving God or are we serving money? Are we serving God or are we serving our own desires? The fourth and final question here, a focus here is, who do you serve? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. To serve means that you've made a choice and engaged in the will of the master. Let me read that again. To serve means that you have made a choice and engaged in in the will of the Master. Jesus viewed money as the rival for preeminence. Attachment to money leads to detachment from God. The Bible's absolutely clear about the venomous nature of money. It fights for supremacy in our lives. It, it drives the characteristics that we display it promises, it, it actually acts like a deity. It promises security and freedom and power. To be committed to Christ is not merely a matter of emotion, but also of our minds and our wills. We have to choose to follow Christ. We have to make the choice to be entwined with His will. We just read what the will of God is for us. So this type of allegiance cannot be rendered to two parties. It can't. You can't fight for both. You know what happens when you fight for both? Both sides turn on you. Both sides, you're their enemy. You realize that allegiance to money actually ultimately makes you its enemy. Only one master will win out. Money is not a neutral medium of exchange, but it's a power. It has a life of its own and it seeks control and it consumes people. If you're serving the master of money, Jesus says you will be unable to serve God. He doesn't say you better not or would be unwise. He says you cannot serve both God and money. It's clear. So as much as we handle our money, as, as much as we do with money, it is something that is important that we do with a laser, eternal focus. So that our eyes will be full of light. And if our eyes are full of light, we will be full of light. His words become unsettling. 
man, if you, it, it just makes you shiver in your seat. If you love money, you'll end up hating God. These are hard words to hear. If you're devoted to the pursuit of possessions and vast riches, you'll actually start despising the things of God. It's a slow boil. Concepts of fair scales and proper business practices, like I said before, they, they just become a hindrance to you. You no longer want to hear about it. So you stop hanging around Christians and you stop reading the Word of God and you stop praying. You look out for number one. You follow the world's cultural call. So when Jesus asked the question about money, he's asked this question in, in, in Luke. I'm going to close with this. He told a story that illustrates how easily that we could fall into the, that we, that we could mess these four areas up. Okay? So in closing, let's turn to Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 15 through 21. Jesus tells a parable to show what happens when we take part in this short-term earthly-focused mindset. Luke 12, verses 15-21. through 21, And he said to them, Take care, and be on your guard against covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and I will store in all, I will store all my grain and goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Greed is something that we all struggle with. If we don't admit it, if we put up our guard, if these words are being received right now and they are hard to swallow, we get consumed by it. The word greed actually means thirst it means thirst the reason we have to watch out for this is because we can begin to think that our life consists of our possessions and that we're actually right in doing it if we have a lot and we're doing well if you don't have much do you feel like you're missing out because you don't have much some of the richest people I know own nothing. Friends, it can be dangerous to be successful in business and career. It can be really dangerous. Because if our heart and our focus and our servanthood is not laser focused on Jesus and the things of eternity, there's only one other focus it can go. And that's to us. The many God that started the fall in the first place. 
you can think the temporal is eternal. Like I said, I'm doing this so that my kids and my grandkids and generations, I'm leaving them a legacy of. You want to leave your kids a legacy? I'm close with these four things. You want to leave your kids a legacy? Leave them a Leave them a legacy of an eternal view, a pure heart, a light-filled eye, and a master worth serving. Serving unto death. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. Thank you for Jesus who was willing to put on flesh, come live in this imperfect world, but live perfectly in it. To be turned on by that same creation. To take our punishment, bear it to a cross. And in exchange, not condemn us, but impute upon us His righteousness. That's a master worth serving. That's a master worth entwining my will with. Master worth sacrificing everything for. Lord, not only did you do that, but you defeated death by raising yourself from the dead three days later and defeating death and securing for us that same resurrection. Lord, may we have a laser focus on the eternal. May you remind us when we begin to stray our eye when our focus on You begins to turn to other things. Maybe today was a smack in the face for some. Maybe today was a comfort. Maybe today was eye-opening. Lord, I hope all of it is seen as a call to You and a call to holiness. That You are good. That You are a God worth serving. That You are a God who is merciful. May we see Your mercy and Your beauty even in the ugliness, Lord. And Lord, may You conform our hearts and our eyes and our loyalties to be laser-focused on You. In Jesus' name, Amen.